following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Plans and preparations for the 2023 season are underway for your Minnesota Twins. This is the show that catches up with players, staff, and the entire organization. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Inside Twins. And as you can see, if you're joining us live all across the various twin social media platforms, whether it's Facebook, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Twitter, Royce Lewis is our guest today on Inside Twins. And there's Royce joining us live from Dallas, Texas area. And, and Royce, it's cold here. And I know you were a little chilly over the course of Twins Fest, but but you guys are dealing with some nasty ice down there, huh? Yeah, I just don't think we're prepared enough for it down here, you know. So uh, it's kind of like Californians with the rain. It just everyone freaks out and uh, just best to stay indoors. Yeah, we'll keep you inside and we'll keep you safe for now. But let's start with Twins Fest. You were up here over the weekend. And I know when you're going through rehab, it's a lonely process a lot of the time. Twins Fest is always fun. It always signals the start of the year, but especially this year for you, just to be around the guys and make it all about baseball, how important were those few days for you? Yeah, I mean, it was super important. And I think for me as well that, you know, getting to to meet some new fans and uh, get to see some old faces that I've seen in the past from Twins Fest and just at the games, uh, it truly means a lot. And uh, we really have a good time meeting and, and getting to know fans on a personal level so I thought the Fillmore event was was super special I, I'd like to do that again yeah you can see some of the footage there if you're joining us as you with some fans and obviously uh, it was a great turnout from former twins current twins future twins and uh, right in the middle of it uh, you can see yourself there having a whole lot of fun I know the questions you got you got two questions over and over again How's the knee was one, mm-hmm. uh, and, and then what position are you going to play as number two? You've answered those and beaten them into the ground. So today we're going to try to talk about some other stuff, if that's all right with you. Uh, <laughs> first and foremost, we're not putting any any timelines on anything, but where are you? are in Texas. Is that where you'll stay? At what point do you transfer back to Florida in terms of your process as you prepare for your season uh, and everybody else gets set to go here in a couple weeks? Yeah, so, you know, everyone's getting set to go in a couple weeks, and I'll be there uh, actually Monday on the 6th. So I'll be flying in and uh, getting myself ready to go for spring, and I'm just trying to get eyes on me because I feel much more prepared and ready to go than I did last time. Uh, Like you said, not putting a timeline on it, but definitely ready to go and and would like to get cleared as soon as possible. And I know you're always eager to to do as much as you can, but you also, as you said, have been through it before, and you know – that you have to respect the timeline to, to some extent. Who are some of the folks that you've leaned on throughout this process? Is it family? Is it close friends? Do you have uh, current teammates, guys maybe that you grew up with back home? Who are the folks that you've leaned on the most? Yeah, I mean, a little bit of everybody. I think mainly for me, you know, my training staff and, and uh, you know, the team. So just the team, Boris, Corp, and uh, my family and friends, it's like, the same as last year, just doing the same thing. It feels, you know, monotonous and very tedious at times, but um, once you get through it, the end goal is uh, keeps you going. So, One thing about you is that when you walk into a room, the place gets happier. <laughs> you are as optimistic a guy as I have ever been around. Has that always been you, or is that something that you, you trained yourself to be 
to, to, to help get you where you are today? No, I think my parents just did a good job raising me and like, you know, teaching some positive energy and, and just having a positive attitude towards things. You know, I've always uh, had some some trials and, and things to go through and so is everyone else. But in those, you can always find a positive and uh, that's what I'm looking for. So, you know, in this ACL rehab, whether it's me getting closer in my faith to God or if it's me, you know, building better relationships with my friends that I'm like, hey, I have more time to talk to you guys and, and hang out, whether that's video games or, uh, you know, just going to eat dinner and stuff. And so um, I actually got to watch, you know, my one of my best friends, Tory Hunter Jr., play a game because I was hurt and my season was done. Uh, I came back because of the hurricane in Fort Myers and I got to see him play in Oklahoma City. So stuff like that uh, is the positives I'm looking towards during this rehab. But, um, you know, like I said, the end all be all goal is to come back and come back strong. Yeah, Tory Jr., of course, so one of your neighbors now there in Texas, workout partner as well. I want to look back on that stretch of time when you finally achieved your big league dream. Uh, you know, we were all there for you at, at shortstop and then in center when you yeah. eventually got hurt. And I want to focus on the baseball part of it because so much is made of positions and injuries. Let's talk about what you learned baseball-wise from your stint with the Twins. Was it a case of, wow, yeah, I can do this? Uh, does that build your confidence? Uh, w- were there things that even in that short burst you you felt you really wanted to get better at? Yeah, absolutely. I can always get better each and every day. And I think even when I was up there for the short amount of time I was, I learned so much more. I think, you know, you cannot, you know, replicate that big league experience in the minors. Um, something that you got to have once you're up there because there's guys that have had 10 plus years in the big leagues. You know, at the time when I got called up, it was Joe Smith and Carlos Correa and, and Buxton, like some of these guys that have been there, done that and will be in the game for much longer that I was able to lean on and trust and get really comfortable with um, for them to, you know, give me some advice on certain things and situations and um, really just sitting on the bench and learning as much as you possibly can. Let's talk about your swing. You happy with where it was? There's some power that's been emerging over the last couple of years. You hit a couple of home runs. We just saw you had the grand slam. Do, do you see that swing playing moving forward or are there tweaks you want to make to that approach? No, I, I think honestly the swing is there. I think, you know, it was a matter of timing for me and uh, the leg kick, you know, as much fun as it was for me, it after the ACL surgery, I just couldn't repeat it consistently. Um, you know, and it was already hard enough as it was to com- repeat consistently. And and so, you know, we brought it down to a quote-unquote two-strike approach type load, and uh, I just got really comfortable with it, you know, especially, like I said, after the, having the surgery, it was easier on my legs and my knee in, in particular. And so I just continued that, and, um, you know, it sucks. I was just getting my timing, like, locked in and felt really, really comfy at the plate. Uh, and then I went back down with the other uh, ACL. So, you know, I'm just trying to repeat what I did last year and get back to that and then, um, you know, continue to get better and work on some other pitches. A big league swing is such a funny thing because you get to the big leagues because you have a ton of success, but that swing doesn't always really become what you need it to be until maybe even after you get there or after you've experimented. I compare you a little bit to Byron in that regard. You know, he messed with the leg kick and he had 70 people in his ear. And at a certain point, he just said, leave me alone. I'm going to keep it really simple and use my amazing ability and my experience to get to the balls that I want to hit. Is that kind of the place that you got to as well? Yeah, you know, it's really hard to you know, not listen because you try to be the, you know, one of those people like I'm trying to learn as much as possible. So like, who do you listen to when there's like 80 people talking to you? 
Um, and Tori Hunter said it best to me is just, you know, you got to do what's best for you at the end of the day. You can listen, but it's sometimes going to go in one and out the other. Um, so you just got to pick and choose your spots of what you want to listen to and what works for you. And then uh, kind of go from there uh, to continue your swing and, and to better your own swing. And whatever feels comfortable is, is your swing. So just do that. You've got power. You're a strong guy, but you also have contact ability. You can use the entire field. In this modern day and age, it seems like it's about taking your shot. It's all about power, extra base hits. Did you change your approach at all as you've climbed to the major leagues to become a guy who looks for a little more pull side power as opposed to a guy who uses the whole field? Uh, no, not at all. I just, <laughs> I think I just got stronger naturally and, and older. <laughs> I, uh, my approach is the same. I'm trying to drive the ball wherever it's pitched, like through the wall. Like that's just my my idea. So if it's low and away, I'm trying to drive it through the second baseman's body because if I hit the ball where it's pitched, um, you know, at one, it helps me stay on the ball longer. And then two, uh, you know, just let, let the velocity of the ball that's coming in at 95 and 100 now, everyone throws 95. That's, that's where all the power is coming from. If I just put the barrel on it with my hand speed, it'll go. So, um, you know, I'm trying to hit the ball where it's pitched, and I'd like to drive the ball more to right field if I can. I know I have it in me. I just got to let the ball get deeper a little bit. So, I like that. Hit it through the wall. I like that uh, that that a lot. W- when you're not able to do baseball activities as you're coming back, and you've now done it twice, how important is it to have those detailed in the weeds baseball conversations about loads and about swings and about sequencing and things like that uh, to keep that razor sharpness in terms of your baseball growth in your mind. Yeah, it's very important. But I would say at the same time, it's also very hard because, you know, I start talking about it. Then I'm like, Oh, let me go do it. Let me, let me go in. Let me go. Let me go field. Um, So it's hard to find that line where it's like, I got to remember to keep learning. But at the same time, like I got to like cool it because as soon as I start learning, my wheels start spinning and I'm like, let's go out there. Let's go on a field. Let's do something. So, uh, it, you know, this one was a lot easier for me mentally because the season had ended earlier in my rehab compared to last time. I, was, I just got hurt, did my rehab, and I was sitting there on the couch for a few months, and everyone was just starting their spring and their season, and um, it was just hard to watch without being able to play. So I think this time was a little bit easier mentally um, as well as my knee feeling a lot better. So. Well, you did a remarkable job the first time, and we can't wait to see you back on the field in baseball activities, and it won't be too long now for Royce Lewis. Royce is our guest. The show is Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killerbrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. We're going to take a quick break all across our network when we come back. More from Royce as we step off the diamond, and in fact, we're going to bring in Royce's mom to uh, talk about a, a, a very special project as well. That's coming up next on your home for Twins Baseball. The show is Inside Twins, lighting up the middle of your week as we work our way towards spring training. Boy, pitchers and catchers, they will be reporting uh, very, very quickly. We only have a few of these shows left, and then we will be in Fort Myers as well as the Twins kick off spring training. Royce Lewis is our guest. It's great to have Royce on board, joining us from his home in uh, icy Texas right now. And uh, Royce, over the course of the summer, while uh, you were up here with the big club, uh, one of our interns did a great story on you and your mom and the necklaces, the, the necklace business. And it started when you signed, and you had this nice little signing bonus. You didn't spend it on a car. You weren't out there dropping money everywhere. But you wanted a Derek Jeter necklace, and there was a little sticker shock, and your mom said, I can do you a little better. Here's what your mom Cindy had to say. 
I just started looking into options to making him a necklace, and I found these glass, black glass beads that I was able to make him a necklace, and it looked similar to what Derek Jeter wore, and he was happy with that. And it didn't cost you eighty five hundred bucks, uh, <laughs> I, I believe. Was uh, talk a little bit about go back, take us back, if you will, to teenage Royce Lewis. You got your signing bonus. You're about to start your career. Saying, "Mom, man, I want a necklace like my hero Derek Jeter." You talked about the good parenting that you've undoubtedly received. How yeah. did the idea for her to make the necklace come about? You know, she like, she does that a lot with everything. You know, and same with my dad. He's like, "Oh, you know, let's go get this this car, this thing," and we're always looking for deals. That's just my family and. And we have fun doing it. But I would say that, you know, I, I was looking at it and I saw it was like eighty, eighty three hundred dollars to get the exact same one, like very similar. And, uh, you know, I told her, I'm like, hey, mom, I think I'm going to spend money on that because I like that. And she's like, well, you play a game, you know, so why are you going to wear an eighty four hundred dollar necklace on the field when it can easily break, get hit by a pitch, the balls, take it all off, rip it open. You're diving at first in a second. Second baseman puts a tag on you, it breaks. So. Like, let me just let me try to work on something. So I gave her a couple of months. She came back. I was in Cedar Rapids and uh, she brought out the black diamond uh, necklace. So it was it was amazing. I still wear them all today and, and to this day. And now I've gotten all different colors and, and shapes and sizes. And I share them with all my buddies, my teammates. And a lot of people have been uh, helping uh, donate to the cause. Yeah, and it's a great cause. We're going to hear more from Cindy uh, in a moment about where where those the money ends up. But you're not kidding; it took off like wildfire because you became uh, you became kind of the guy with the goods in the minor leagues. Here's a, a clip from that piece of, of you talking about kind of how you felt as this took off. I'm all making it to my team, and then it was opposing teams. It was funny. It was like I'm like, man, I feel like I work for the cartel or something. I'm handing, they're giving me cash in the back of the in the back of the uh, like tunnel over here, and I'm giving them a necklace. <laughs> the cartel comparison still makes me laugh. Uh, but boy, you're uh, you were like the the dealer. You you were the the necklace, the jewelry dealer, uh, roaming the minor leagues. Yeah, just not as dangerous as the cartel. <laughs> but we we had a good time down there. It was so much fun, man. Like when it started, like you said, like wildfire. I was wearing them, and people would ask me, "Hey, where'd you get that?" And I'm like, "And my mom made one. Do you do you want some? I have extra in the back." And so they're like, "Yeah, absolutely." So after a game or before the next game, the next day. Uh, they'd come meet me by the batting cages down below, and, uh, yeah, we'd make the exchange. What was your mom doing when you were calling her up and saying, hey, can you make me a few more? Can you do one like this? You know, Nick Gordon needs one that has a cross on it. Like, what was she saying when when you were coming to her with all these requests? Uh, she says every time, you know, like, can they can they go through the site? Because it's a lot easier for me to see it and, and make it when they can go through the site and put the sizes. Otherwise, I'll forget just through words. And I'm like, yeah, but I think, you know, it makes it easier for them if they just give me the cash. And then I tell you. And so uh, we still have those problems to this day where we're working on like, hey, what's easiest to do? But um, I would say for all the people out there, fans, teammates involved, like go go through the Humility Chain site. It's way easier. Humility Chain. That's the name you guys gave them. Explain the root of that. Yeah, my honestly, this is my mom's business. You know, she she really came up with it. It was just kind of like, you know, me that helped inspire her to start this and and uh, kind of my background with the child cancer, the Nigu Foundation that we donate to. So, um, you know, I think the, the name just came from staying humble, like just being a person that stays humble because there's no reason to change who you are just because your status has changed in the world, whether it's for better or for worse. So you don't need to, you know, feel down on yourself when you're when you're when you're down and, and you don't have as good of stuff, or when you're doing amazing and you get everything in the world handed to you. 
uh, you don't need to change either. And so um, that's kind of where the name started. And she's the one that definitely had that idea. Well, let's hear from City again, because you mentioned the Nigu Foundation, Never Ever Give Up, and she explains a little bit about where this money ends up. They are jars that, and we've gone in and volunteered our time in making them as well. They're jars that they create, and they get delivered to the hospitals, to the children who are going through their treatment. And they consist of little games or necklaces or crossword puzzles or crayons or just little things, activities and little fun things for the kids to have. And that's what Jesse Reese named them Joy Jars because it was something, a way for her to give joy to others who are going through what she was going through. That's uh, your mom, Cindy, who is amazing. Talk a little bit about Jesse Reese, what this foundation is, and how you got involved. Yeah, you know, Jesse was so strong to think of an idea like that, to give toys to her friends and, and companions that were going through the same kind of thing, which is cancer. And it's just so horrible. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of kids. Like, can't wait to have my own one day. I love all my teammates, little kids, when they come to the clubhouses. And we have so much fun. And I can't imagine, like, for anyone to go through something like cancer let alone kids that don't even know, you know, what life is yet and, and haven't gone through anything. And so uh, we decided to start doing that. I've worked with them since high school and, you know, our, our baseball team in high school worked with them a lot. And so uh, we'd go, you know, pass out joy jars or even help make them at times. And man, it's so much fun. And Eric, where Eric Reese does a great job with that foundation. And it's That's fantastic, Roy, something that you started with your teammates in high school. And now as you've ascended to where you are continuing to give back and stay involved and spread that word. Uh, and again, I, as much credit as I love to give you, I'm giving your mom <laughs> the lion's share of the credit here again because uh, a remarkable person uh, and your entire family, the job they do is uh, spectacular. Let's take a break. The show is Inside Twins. Royce Lewis is our guest. We're going to take questions from you uh, here on Inside Twins, and we've got a lot of them flying in through all the various Twins social media platforms. We'll take a quick time out. We'll come back, and uh, we'll let uh, Royce handle your questions next on your home for Twins baseball. Final segment of Inside Twins. So excited to have Royce Lewis with us. Royce had a huge week here at Twins Fest, pulled in a lot of directions. So, Royce, we appreciate you being iced into your home in Texas and willing to give us a little bit of time here. You were just talking about high school, and, and I'm going to fire up the first question before we get uh, to some of these coming in on social media. You went to Jay Sarah, number one overall pick. You're not the only star from, from Jay Sarah. We know Austin Hedges, who was with Cleveland. He was a Jay Sarah guy. But maybe even bigger star now, Trinity Rodman, who not only has a famous last name, but is a rising star with the women's national soccer team, was a number two overall pick. She was just a couple of years behind you at J. Sarah. Did you ever step out on the pitch with, with Trinity? No, I never stepped out on the pitch or the field. Uh, I just played baseball when I got to high school. But, uh, you know, my girlfriend actually had played with her and uh, knows her pretty well. Yeah, and again, uh, taking that uh, J. Sarah... Uh, banner and uh, repping it at a pretty high level there uh, with the U.S. national soccer team. Let's get to some questions. We got a whole bunch of folks here who want to weigh in. We start with Alex. Who's your role model personally, and who's your role model in terms of professional life in baseball? Wow, Alex, that was a great question. Yeah, um, you know, for personally, obviously the cliche, like your parents, but no, seriously, like my parents, just, you know, like my dad, how hard he works, and same with my mom, you know, like just because you don't have a job, like working, working with kids is – I would say almost twice as hard because you have to, you know, raise them right for one. And then, and it's all day. It doesn't, it doesn't stop, especially my sister and I, we have a ton of energy. So um, I think my parents just work ethic and then just how they went about their life. And then uh, on a professional level, it'd be Derek Jeter, um, Correa. Those are my, 
my two guys kind of growing up that I got to meet Correa. I didn't get to meet Jeter yet. So I'd love to meet him and ask him a few things, but um, yeah, Jeter was my first uh, professional athlete. I fell in love with just because he was the same. He, he looked like me, you know, it was like his, his dad was black. His mom was white. And I, I did the same thing. Yeah. And a pretty good guy to model. I always tell the story of Darren Mastroianni grew up a big Yankee fan hit a, a spring training double, and as he rounded second, he was thinking triple all the way, and he saw Derek Jeter standing there to take the cut, and he went, oh, my God, that's Jeter, and he fell over. And he had to scramble back to second base, but the bright side was that he got to hang out with Jeter till the next uh, at-bat ended. So uh, I'm sure that, that's coming for you. Just don't fall over like Mastroianni did, but uh, that's coming in, in your future. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. All right, who else do we have next here? Let's try uh, Jolly Joe. We got like a... A Buccaneer Gopher combo here. I don't know if Byron Buxton had something to do with getting that Buccaneer logo. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> or, or not. This was a big topic for you over the course of the weekend in terms of uh, possible moving around in the field a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, it, for me, it's it's quite simple. I just, I, I'm an athlete. I play baseball. I, I go wherever I need to be playing. Um, you know, I prefer not to be pitching and catching. Uh, I think catching would be hard on my knees, especially now, but uh, squatting even when as a healthy person is is extremely hard for nine innings catching 100 miles an hour that's moving so uh anywhere but those two positions i'm willing to play and um you know mentality wise it's just you know be an athlete how how do we compete to win the game and uh you play where you need to play and you've played all over you played a lot in high school didn't really play shortstop full-time until the end of your your high school career uh we saw that Great footage of your uh, debut at shortstop. You got the the pure debut. You got one in the hole. You got one diving to your left, and you got one charging. So uh, I guess you you got to check all the boxes right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. I mean, it was like the first batter of the, of the game too. So um, man, it was it was pretty special. Get the heart racing and try to slow down a little bit. Get those nerves out of the way. You got him out of the way in a hurry. All right, moving on. More questions here. Uh, this one via YouTube from Morgan. What's going through your head when you get the call that you're going to the big leagues? Morgan, like everybody else, looking forward to seeing you again this season. Who'd you call first? Yeah, so I, I got the I personally got the call from uh, Toby Gardenhire. I was playing Call of Duty. I had no idea about uh, the Correa injury or anything at all. I was just going about my business. I'm like, all right, we're playing in St. Paul again tomorrow at so-and-so time. I don't have to be to the field until 2 because it was freezing. And, and so I was I was pretty excited about that. And, um I'm playing Call of Duty, and I get a call from Toby, and it was like 10, 30, 11 at night, and uh, I was told I was going to the big leagues, and I actually thought I was going to do some community service work, and I said, oh, do I have to get up uh, earlier to go to the to the community service deal? And he said, no, no, a little bit better than that, even though that's great that you asked. And I said, okay, what's going on? He's like, yeah, you're going to the bigs. So, you know, when I got that call, I was very excited and kind of just shocked, like he just you just, I didn't believe it really. I was like, well, okay, what? Well, like, it was, it was amazing. Like, I was just in such shock, truly. Like, I didn't move. Uh, so, technically, I told my buddies on Call of Duty, I was like, hey, I, I got to go. I'm, I'm making my debut tomorrow. And so, and so they were like, yeah, let's go. Like, and then we obviously I got off the, the games and I called, you know, my mom, my dad, uh, my girlfriend, everybody. And, and my grandparents, I told everyone that we're not allowed to say anything until tomorrow because they didn't want the news to break. But I had to get them on a flight somehow. So I obviously told them 
the, the amazing thing is that your Call of Duty buddies were able to keep the secret. <laughs> like, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's how you know you can trust them on Call of Duty when they don't uh, break news. <laughs> break news like that. All right, let's get more questions from Twins fans today. Uh, do you feel pressure as a top prospect? I mean, that's something that you've carried with you uh, from day one. That's a great question. No, no, not at all. Uh, I think I feel pressure just from myself. Like I know what I want to do. And I think last year being called up and, and performing like I did definitely helped uh, myself to exceed my expectations and playing and playing very well, very fast. And so just, you know, taking advantage of your opportunities is, is kind of like my goal this year. And whenever I get that opportunity again, I'd like to do the same thing. And obviously having a guy like Carlos, who was number one overall, Byron, number two overall, you've met Joe Maurer was number one. You, yeah. You've been around guys in similar spots. We're going to close on this note. It's not really a question. I could listen to Royce for hours, which is a great compliment, but look at the name there. Chipotle is life and your great. number. So somebody who really enjoys Chipotle could listen to you for hours. So that's I think that's a good way. Well, we'll let Mike add that one too. You're a winner. Thank Royce. you, thank you, Mike. Chipotle, appreciate it, guys. <laughs> I agree with Chipotle and with Mike, and that's the first time I've ever used that sentence uh, in my life. Royce, great to have you with us. It's always a wonderful conversation. Anytime we get a chance to chat with you, uh, you looked great moving around here at Twins Fest. You always got that smile, and I can't wait to see it down in the sun in Fort Myers. Yeah, me as well. Thanks so much, Chris. I appreciate your time. Yeah. All right, take care and beware of that ice out there in Dallas. Stay in the house, and we'll see you when the weather gets better down at spring training. That's Royce Lewis. Uh, outstanding to always chat with Royce, just a tremendous human being and a great asset to the Twins organization uh, and always an uplifting presence in any room that he enters. And we can't wait to see him back on the field once again. Our thanks to Royce. Our thanks to you for joining us here on Inside Twins. Our show is always brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. It's locally owned and operated. How memories are created and legends are made. Only a few more of these before we're bringing you full spring training games from Fort Myers, but we'll join you again next week with more here on Inside Twins right here on your home for Twins Baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.